You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. I'm here to talk to you about, wait, whose show is this anyway? I don't even know. I'm just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me, as he is, of course, every single episode, the one and only John Mills. How are you doing, John? Well, I've become so self-referential that I have become the Ouroboros, the snake eating its own tail. One Mm -hmm. has no idea where I begin Mm -hmm. and where I end. However... If you follow me around, you'll just be back at the beginning. See, I was thinking uh, that um, you were just going to talk about yourself in third person uh, because you're so self-referential. So you'd just be like, you know, well, John Mills says that John Mills thinks that John Mills would like to have happen. So, um, you know, I really think that would be a more interesting way to attend meetings at work. If I'm if I'm completely honest. Uh, you know, just sit yeah. there and be like, well, John Mills thinks we shouldn't move forward with this project in its current state. <laughs> John Mills thinks that that actually you've given me a good idea. I'm going to see how go. it goes tomorrow. I'm glad yeah. that I could uh, be of service. But, um, well, before we dive into talking about our next part of phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we want to thank you for joining us. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you are listening to this podcast. You'll get all of the episodes here in the 602 Club as soon as they drop, as well as, of course, Assembling Avengers and Snyder Cuts. You can also find us all over social media. We're under the name at the 602 Club on whatever they call Twitter these days. We're on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trackfm with the entire network. There's a listeners-only discussion group there on Facebook you can join called the Babel Conference. And you can find us online at trek.fm. Plus, go over to Patreon and support the network so all of these shows keep coming to you each and every week at patreon.com slash trekfm. John, I've got a question for you as we dive into She-Hulk today. And Mm -hmm. one of the questions is this. Yeah, I think one of the most problematic characters that they've had in the MCU in the sense of not really knowing what to do with the character, I I think especially since it had such a rocky start, was the Hulk. And so I guess the question that as we dive into She-Hulk that I was thinking of as, you know, watching the show, why are we then adding another Hulk? character when we can't even figure out what to do with the original Hulk character? It's a fair question. I Obviously, this is my first time coming to the series. Uh, I, you know, the fatigue thing, no need to revisit it if anybody's been listening up to this point. But if this is your first time joining us for Assembling Avengers, everything in Phase 4 is new to me because after Endgame, I hit fatigue early on in Phase 4 and I tapped out and we're using this as an excuse to drag me through Phase 4. When I first heard about the She-Hulk project, whenever the news released, I was hopeful because She-Hulk was actually a very clever comic book. It was a pretty, pretty good title and it was enjoyable and it was, uh, you know, something that didn't take itself too seriously, which was a welcome change from the typical superhero formula that was so 
you know, very stern and drang at certain points. X Men, especially, every like the X Men never lightened up ever. And then She Hulk had a bit of levity to it, and it was like, oh, okay, this is this is cute, this is different, this is fun. So I was hoping for something that would sort of tap into that, and you know, uh, I I will inevitably talk about fan reaction at some point during the episode, but I I was told by one friend who was a died in the wool Marvel cultist for since the beginning. Like he, he did not respond well to the series. And I had another friend who responded on the, the lower end of lukewarm and everything. So I was immediately put off going into this by thinking, well, gosh, this is a, a title. I really thought they had a shot to do something with. And by all accounts, they kind of missed it. They missed their opportunity, to your point, to finally take a Hulk property and say, you know, we're going to do... But but at the same time, you know what? Let me throw that back at you. She-Hulk is known for all of those things I went through, but Taika Waititi sort of steals its thunder uh, with love and thunder, but sort of steals the thunder with Ragnarok and love and thunder by sort of giving that humorous take on everything before She-Hulk gets a chance to get there. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that and just kind of her role in comics. And I've never, you know, never read any of her comics. You know, I know uh, she's had some incredible runs um, and people that have really loved the character. Like you said, she kind of did some things that um, were were either new in comics or just really did it well, you know, breaking the fourth wall, uh, being very self-referential, um, her being to this very confident uh, female superhero character who who actually loved her alter ego, you know, like there's this a lot of things about this character that are really interesting, and the idea of you know bringing her into the MCU is is it's not a, a bad idea or anything. I do think that the, the interesting part of it is like you mentioned though, we've had. Thor by Waititi. We've had the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, so we've already had two major parts of this franchise go in that direction of being very humor driven. And, um, you know, the, the type of humor where uh, it is biting and cutting a lot of, especially with the, the Guardians films, right? You know, that biting kind of sarcastic humor uh, and, and just you know, at the same time, overall goofiness as well. So it is strange to me to, to, to try and, you know, kind of cram her into the MCU at this point when we've already been kind of doing a lot of the things that this character is known for. And I, I guess the biggest part to me, it did really come down to the question of, I, I can't understand why you're trying to put another Hulk into the series when you haven't been able to figure out what to do with the original Hulk in the series and who has basically played third or fourth fiddle to every movie he's been in. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I just, to me, that was a, a a really strange part of of this whole idea of bringing this character in. Now, as with every Marvel character that we're bringing in, you know, I'm always going in hoping that it's going to be good. Um, And, you know, I I think one of the things that had me hopeful uh, was this idea of bringing in an actress who was really 
uh, known, uh, you know, put herself on the map with some some sci-fi stuff. And um, Tatiana Maslany, you know, I regardless of how I feel about the series itself, I actually think she gives a great performance as the character. She's in, and she's enjoyable to watch. She's funny mm-hmm. when she needs to be. Like she's magnetic. Like um, she, the way that she says all the lines that she needs to, and really hits the delivery on all of them, I, I thought was great. And so I think one of the biggest pluses was is they cast somebody who could really bring this character to life, uh, especially when a big part of this is going to be giving your just your voice to a character who's going to be completely CGI. Uh, mm-hmm. And so to be able to really pull that off, you you need it to be done well. And I thought she pulls it off beautifully, actually. I think she inhabits the character. Yes, I agree with you. She absolutely becomes this character uh, for any of the other shortcomings of the series. She's not one of them. She She absolutely delivers what she's supposed to deliver here. But since you mentioned the CGI, you know, oh, she just does the voice of basically a cartoon character for a significant portion of the series. That's actually one of those things that I want to address head on because you do have an actress who is inhabiting the role and is charismatic and knows how to play the camera. I do not understand why the animation for her character, for her alter ego, is so flat. It's it looks two dimensional. The lighting is off. I do not understand why they don't seem to have her on set on the stilts, walking around the way Alan Tudyk did in Rogue One, or even the way that uh, Mark Ruffalo does as Hulk. I could tell people weren't interacting with the right sight lines and stuff like that. And that was very frustrating to me because you had an actress where you could have had her there and mapped over magnificently, kept her face, everything, yet they did not. I will not understand that. I know, look, I will not understand. I put that in quotes. I know it's cheaper. It just makes sense financially. But... I don't know why if you're doing a prestige show that additionally carries the weight of it as this is another crack at creating a memorable female character to add to the MCU lore, why you wouldn't say safety's off, spare no expense, go full tilt and have Tatiana in every single shot that you can and put her in green makeup if you have to and just map over everything else and use camera trickery and everything because that's the way to go. And that I think the show would have benefited from it tremendously. I agree with you because I think one of the things that you, you need to be utilizing all of the tricks to bring this character to life. Uh, you need to be utilizing, uh, motion control, uh, capture, um, you know, with, uh, people doing the fight scenes so that you can create them with these, you know, massive characters that are fighting each other. Um, and 
you you need to be you know using um, maybe facial replacement on uh, somebody who is a bodybuilder or something or I, I you know whatever it takes to make this character look good but I mean I, I think that you're a hundred percent right in calling out the fact that the the character does work on she Hulk as well as every other CGI element in this show as well as just the show itself looks entirely lackluster and cheap. There's just absolutely nothing about this show that looks like, you know, they they put any effort into it. Now, that's not the case, right? Like, I know all those artists are working their tails off, but I think as we've been moving through uh, Phase 4, I think well, actually what we're seeing here comes down to the fact that they cried they tried to cram so many things into phase 4 that they were not allowing their CGI artists and their compositing work and all of those things the time to do the work they need to do to actually bring these kind of things to life right um this isn't you know the early 2000s where we're going to excuse uh you know what or I guess even earlier than that, but what um, Babylon 5 looks like because they chose to do CGI instead of models and stuff, right? Um, you know, the, because we're way past that. And so if yes. you really want to make this stuff work, you have to make us believe that these people are actually on screen, especially when they're not. And, you know, of course, they just never do that with the character of She-Hulk. Well, it's also something where I have no idea off the top of my head whether the, whether the directors and uh, directors of photography for the episodes have the necessary experience in setting up effects shots. Because I will pair this up with what you're saying. There's cost cutting. There's uh, volume of work. There's reshoots, all of these things that go into it that shorten the window of time to do the proper development, to run the, the servers at full speed and capacity and all of that type of stuff. All of these things go into it, but additionally, it's a, it's a criticism I've thrown at a Star Wars series using the volume. Grieg Frazier is a friggin' out-of-the-box master at mm -hmm. using the volume. That first season of The Mandalorian, any episode he worked on, it looked like you were there. But then you see later directors and DPs come in and you see its limitations because they're still learning the tool. And it's like, if you're going to have an effects-heavy show like this one, have a crash course, make it a day, make it two, make it a boot camp where you sit down with everybody that's working on it and you have people who have significant experience and you say, look, I know you want to do this. This is how you're going to make that work. This is where it's tricky. Mm -hmm. Why not have that sort of thing in place so that these people who are working on, who are directing the show, who are lighting the show, who are staging the camera shots have the best chance at the most right. success so right. that people don't go down the rabbit hole of what we're doing where we're like, I don't get why the CG doesn't look better. Yeah. I feel well, terrible saying that because like you said, they're working their butts off at the mm -hmm. at the effects houses. 
but they're just they only have so much time mm-hmm. and ability to do everything that's necessary. Well, and and the the problem with doing that is that you're just undermining your show because you know you you need these characters to feel real. You need them to feel as though they are as real as the the physical characters that are actually on screen um and that that are real people you know um and when that's not happening you're you're taking away like the show is called She-Hulk so when She-Hulk is on screen i need to literally believe that she's there because the effects are so good i i buy them and never at any point in the show do i buy that she's there she always just looks like a cartoon character and mm-hmm. that hurts the character in general. I mean, and there's only so much Tatiana can do to bring that character to life with her voice. Um, and I think the, the problem is, is that carries over into the rest of the show because, you know, honestly, I think one of the, the biggest detriments to the show outside the CGI is that the show doesn't seem to actually know what to do with the character. It's almost like they want to apologize for the character from the comics in the sense that She-Hulk mm. is a character who loves her She-Hulk nature. It really – this is one of those series where it really felt like the people writing it needed to be massive fans of the comics and just bring that to life. Because one of the best parts of the MCU is when they have just not apologized for their characters and they've just put them on screen. And I think that's one of the things that you know made something like Guardians of the Galaxy work where – Gunn never apologizes for the absolute wackiness it is that those characters are, right? He just never apologizes for the crazy. Yeah, He embraces I, it. I, I agree on that point. I don't know if I'd be as harsh about their characterization of She-Hulk because before this turns into like a, a bash fest, because I, I, I want to be very clear, I did not hate this show. I actually thought it started with a lot of promise. I, there were limitations, and I wasn't in love with it, but the first few episodes, first like three or four episodes, I was like, okay, let's see where this is going. I didn't get the sense of the wheels really starting to come off a little bit until about the midway point. I was like, uh-oh. And it felt really at that point, like the the writers were writing themselves into a corner. And I was hoping for a producer to step in and say, whoa, hold on. You're not going to turn Daredevil into a joke. You're not mm-hmm. going to turn him into a gag. The well, you only know, Kevin Daredevil, tried, but there's only so much he could do. I, 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 okay, first and foremost, those writers in the last episode, if those were actors... They didn't convey it effectively. If those were the actual writers of the show, they needed to hire actors. Like that scene didn't work at all. And I didn't – the whole Kevin thing. I, uh, but my issue is you make a reference to Daredevil where the guy is the designer of superhero clothes, which is sort of just ripped off from Incredibles, but okay, I got it. And you have a hat box with Daredevil's helmet in it. That's a moment where I go, ha, yes. And then when Daredevil shows up later, I say, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Why? Why? This is one of the most respected characters to have ever graced the screen from Marvel, who has a Netflix series that 
everybody who ever watched it absolutely adores. And you're going to make him a punchline. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like that at all. I, I think it was a waste of talent and crossover. Bringing Daredevil in actually makes sense. I like it. They're lawyers. It, they have every reason to inhabit each other's universes, as it were, corner of the universe. Wong has always been funny when he's appeared in the MCU films. In this, they, they kind of dumb him down. I don't mm. like that. Yeah. He's the yeah. Sorcerer Supreme. It's yeah. not a joke. I mean, like, yeah. I, I get yeah. it. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's a comedy series. But the comedy should come from somebody like Wong not being the joke or in on the joke. Mm. Everybody's making yeah. the joke, and he should be like the adult in the room that's saying, knock it off. I'm safe. You don't understand. There are demons coming out here. It, it's not a, a joke about a Paris Hilton type character getting drunk with him and watching Sopranos. It's that's not funny to me. Yeah. That's dumbing the character down. So I think one of the things that you're really hitting on, and I could not agree with you more, is in all honesty, we take these characters and we just make complete jokes out of them. Um, whether it's Wong, whether it's Daredevil. I mean, what what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know, um, but... But the thing is, I think it, I think it comes from an impulse where it works with Blonsky. It's actually kind of clever with Blonsky. I like what they did with him. I thought that was funny. Where he's a villain in the sense that he's like, you know what? I don't want to get in fights with the Hulk anymore. I want to have terrible men's only club right. where I get paid money to come out and spew a bunch of stuff to make guys feel better about themselves. Yeah, that's that's funny. That's like, you know, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not transforming to cause any problems. I just, I just want to make some money on the side here, okay? Like, this is my self-help gig. Like, that's funny. And I think that's a right. good impulse for them to have followed. It just got too broad. I, I, I think that it just comes down to the fact, for me, is this, this inability for uh, the writers to actually find a balance, right? You need to understand, like, the entire series, where it's going, and how all of this works. But I think you need to just find respect for the characters and who they are and, and, and make them work in the series without dumbing them down or kind of changing who they are in any way. And, and, and again, I mean... You brought it up, but I mean, a character like Daredevil is a character that you just, you know, you can't do that with. Um, you, 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 that character is well, such a pivotal part of the, like, the Marvel universe and the comics and the respect that people have for that character and everything, and and you're just doing that character a disservice. Um, you know, I think you, you said it well, what they do with Blonsky, again, that really works in this show, um, but uh, there's just... There's so... The, I think the thing that I really come to is, like, there's no nuance to it, right? 
it's like they paint, painted with a very broad brush when it came to the humor and it hit everybody and everybody ended up on the same humor wavelength. But that's not who these characters actually are. Right. The 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 comedy needs to come. Yeah, I, 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 I totally get what you're saying. But to give another example of where I, I would say they have a good impulse, but it misfires in the execution is when they recreate the 1970s Hulk TV show opening. Mm-hmm. that's your stinger. You have a hint of it when she's off and she's trying to get her, you know, she she's sitting there in the last episode and she's like, oh my gosh, and she's having self-doubt and everything. And then you hear the narrator come on as like, when she gets angry. She's like, whoa, 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 no, 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 that, no, wrong series. We're not doing the narrator thing. That's cute. And then you save that, op- that fake mm-hmm. 1970s opening for the stinger. That's your stinger. Sort of thing. That's what I would say. Uh, so it it just, I think, I think it starts off well enough. It starts off fairly clever with uh, Titania, you know, trying to infringe on her name to sell beauty products. Cute storyline. Liked it. What they're doing with Blonsky. Liked it. The Hulk stuff didn't really... And it's unfortunate because it's part of the setup. Didn't really work, I think, as well as they thought it would. Um, and even though each episode's only thirty minutes, it's it again. It feels too stretched. This is another series yeah. where I'm like, yeah, this this could have been wrapped up a lot quicker. Well, I think the problem, like you you mentioned there, uh, the length of the show. Unfortunately, the show is is absolutely way too long. Um, you know, the show is uh, nine episodes. There's no reason for this to be nine episodes, and yeah. um, I, I think that's a big problem here as well. They have too many storylines going on as well. I, I think the, the that's another issue. Um, you know, with the the whole idea, like you said, with Titania trying to take her identity basically as She-Hulk, and then you've got the whole thing with um, Intelligentsia, and then you've got Blonsky and Wong, and it's just like there's there's no cohesion to this show, and I think that's the thing that's a little bit frustrating mm-hmm. um, is mm-hmm. that they just don't really find uh, a way to – bring it together you know it it almost you know and and just i mean i think to bring this to where we end up at the end where they basically they not only break the fourth wall but they break the narrative wall completely and to me they just destroy the mcu in this where they make the mcu itself an absolute and utter complete joke and they've really hurt the MCU because of it, because of the way they decided to end yep. this show, they've made the entire thing um, ridiculous in a way that it's, I don't know how you actually recover from. They break the brand. And I think that the problem with the ultimate ending is the problem with the show. And we'll explain why I end where I end when we talk about our ratings and everything is the fact that, once we get into the Disney Plus screen and she swings through and she goes through, it's at that point where you start not just questioning what's going on, but it starts winding up being such a meta self-criticism of Marvel as a whole 
it's almost as if it's looking back at the audience and making us feel foolish for caring and investing yes. emotionally in everything because it's all just a big joke. And additionally, by going in and having the, the Kevin robot and talking about the, like, there's just so much stuff where it's just not necessary to treat it like that, to go to that extreme. And I think it's also a tacit admission that they literally wrote themselves into a corner and didn't know how to get out of it. And then somebody in that room broke their hand from high-fiving themselves so hard about coming up with this ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. I, I, yeah. I think that, I think that's what it is, is they, they took the easy way out and they thought it was clever. And it's like, it's, it's not clever to do this. This, this was the easy way out. Fourth wall's fine. I love fourth wall. I don't think they did it particularly well. Like you, you go back, you watch just one season of Malcolm in the middle. That's how you break the fourth wall. That's a fourth wall break. That's what you do. And it just baffles me that people still can't quite get that right. Um, but then, yeah, that end, that's that end. Uh, people, oh boy, people, here come the pitchforks and torches, Matt. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But that ending, that ending is, is a last Jedi moment for Marvel as a whole, where a bunch of people felt a little too comfortable offering some really ideas in a blender meta commentary on everything. And it just does just complete misfire. This is a dud. This is a complete dud. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I could not agree with you more. Um, you know, in all honesty for me, um, this, you know, you, you mentioned that you felt like there's some things that were working for you. And I think for me, the, the things that worked uh, here were the, the performance by Maslani. And I think she is completely underserved by everything that happens in the show for the most part. Like they just, they, like you said, they think themselves so clever and in the end, it comes off as so lazy. It comes off as not well thought out. Um, and I think this is maybe the show the most of everything so far in uh, phase four, where it's like you are trying to do too many things in one phase and in one year. And it this is one of the places where I feel like that really comes out big time. Yeah. And so I, I guess, you know, I, I honestly, I don't really have anything else to say about this show. Um, I don't want to be one of those people who just sits here and beats up on something over and over and over again. And so yeah. I guess my main question for you then is in the end, what do you end up rating this show? You know, this is, uh, this is pretty tough for me because there were things that I thought were, you know, like like I said, the first few episodes, I, I was I was going with it. I was okay. Uh, you know, this this is kind of slick. This is, I'm kind of digging this. Um, 
and it's not till about the halfway point, but in all honesty, and it only gets this because I really think Maslani is really super, I, like it's just, it's heartbreaking because she is so, she is just bringing an A game that the rest of this show cannot support. And for that reason, it winds up with a one and a half. Well said. I'm right there with you. That's exactly what this show gets. Uh, in fact, this show might, it could slide to a one at some point. Um, and Possible, yeah. And so I, I think probably I am grading on a curve here, which seems weird at one and a half. And I think that uh, the reason is, is because, again, I really like Maslani. I she's yeah. so fun to watch even when the ridiculousness on screen is happening, right? Um I I think she does everything she can to make this work and she unfortunately just can't and that is not her fault and you know um in the hands of better writers uh you know maybe uh I would like to see this character again, but unfortunately uh, I, you know, at this point I'm having a hard time trusting Marvel to do that. So, uh, yep. with all of that said and where that ended up ratings wise, where are you going to place She-Hulk? A okay. law. All right. Deep breath. Let's go through this list. We're, we're, we're used to this by now. I'm going to say it as fast as I can for everybody. Okay. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Okay. Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Iron Man 3, Spider-Man No Way Home, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, Iron Man, Avengers Endgame, Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hawkeye, Doctor Strange, Loki, Captain America, Civil War, Captain America, The First Avenger, Miss Marvel, Ant-Man and the Wasp, The Incredible Hulk, Avengers Infinity War, Thor, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Spider-Man Homecoming, Avengers, Howard the Duck, Moon Knight, WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Spider-Man Far From Home, Thor The Dark World, Iron Man 2, Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Age Voltron, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Black Widow, Captain Marvel, Thor Love and Thunder, and forever under the back of my heel as I try to scrape it off of my memory, Eternals. Well, fantastic. I'm going to go with the Winter Soldier, Iron Man, Iron Man 3. No Way Home, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers Endgame, Civil War, The First Avenger, Black Panther, Guardians 2, Ant-Man, What If, Hawkeye, Doctor Strange, Shang-Chi, The Incredible Hulk, Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Homecoming, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Loki, Avengers, Miss Marvel, Far From Home, Infinity War, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Quantumania, The Dark World, Iron Man 2, Thor, Howard the Duck, Moon Knight, Black Widow, Age of Ultron, Captain Marvel, WandaVision, She-Hulk, Ragnarok, Love and Thunder, and of course, Eternals. Well, there you go. It's always fun being reminded of how our lists differ ever so slightly yeah. here and there. Yeah, absolutely. Ever so slightly. It's like mine is the, the correct answers and yours is the one that people... Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you, yeah. you were too far away to cheat perfectly. So, that's well, okay, John, uh, if people wanted to catch up with you and see what else you've got going on, where would they find you? 
Well, gosh, you can find me online as Kessel Junkie. You can find me right over on the Nerd Party Network co-hosting two shows. One is called House Lights that I co-host with the noodly armed Tristan Riddell and Darren Moser. And I co-host another show called Aggressive Negotiations, which is a Star Wars podcast, which I co-host with you, Mr. Matthew Rushing. And you can find me all over social media under the name Matt Rushing 2 You can also find me here on the network doing the Literary Treks, The Orb, Warp 5, Artificial Tango, Saddle Up, and, of course, the main 602 Club feed. You can also find me over on the Nerd Party Network outside of Aggressive Negotiations with Owlpost, where we talk about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. But thank you so much for joining us. Avengers? Avengers?